0: Hey everybody! Welcome back to the Pleasant View Baptist Church podcast. Today we're back with another sermon. It's the fifth sermon in our series. God wants this one's entitled "God Wants Our Consecration." Um, we're going to be in Colossians one twenty through twenty nine. Here is Pastor Jeff.
1: Colossians one twenty through twenty nine says, "In having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him." to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you've heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord, we just pray that you would come now and honor your word. God, move in this place. Lord, we pray, God, there'd be no distractions. Lord, we pray there'd be no cares of this world that would keep us from hearing what You would say to us. God, that we would have ears to hear. And Lord, that it wouldn't just be going through our ears, but it would go down into our heart. And God, for someone this morning, that it might change them for all eternity. They might be saved. Lord, that for others, God, that this would be the opportunity to make a choice this morning. That they're already saved, but they need to make a choice to fully devote their lives to Christ. Maybe it's in some specific calling of ministry. Maybe it is in dedication to your church. Or maybe it is in how they conduct themselves within and without, Lord. However it is. Lord, would you speak clearly today and have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, in this series on God's wants, we've been looking at different things in the Book of Colossians that uh, God's telling us: "This is what I want from you. This is what I want you to do. This is what, really." I'll just be honest with you: it's an expectation, right? It's not just, "Hey, here's some teaching, and if you want to align your life to it, or if you want to follow through on it, you can." It is. It is the doctrine that He has given us to align our lives to to guide our behaviors as Christians, because at the end of the day, it's like we talked about last week, we are to be the image of Christ. People are to see Jesus in us, living in us, Him, Him coming out through our lives in the way that we love them, in the way that we care for them, and just in our conduct in general toward them. Amen but certainly as witnesses of what we've seen and heard. Because if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you truly have experienced Him coming into your life and transforming you, then you've got a story to tell. Amen? And so we've been talking about in this series, we've been talking about convictions, about that there's certain things that Children of God should believe, and there are certain things that children of God should not do. We we have to have conviction about us, right? We're not just talking about the fact that when we do wrong, God convicts us. We're talking about the forethought. We're talking about the pre-planning of I am not going to be involved in this. I'm not going to live my life according to these worldly principles anymore, right? I'm going to have conviction about things in my life. We talked about convictions. We talked about commitment. Commitment. Uh, extends beyond this, but listen, certainly most important is being committed to the body of Christ. Being committed to being part of a community of believers and serving through a community of believers. But we talked about commitment being something that has to happen everywhere we go. In every setting that we find ourselves in, we have to have commitment because God expects us to demonstrate Christ in every setting, every facet of our lives, right? Right? Our character, our character, our godly character, He outlines in the book of Colossians, if you go through chapter 3, you can see how He asks us to get rid of certain aspects of the old man. Certainly to put to death the old man, but there were some things, even though they had believed on Christ, there were some things that they were still allowing to be true of themselves at the church at Colossae that was representative of the the old man. And he said, you've got to get rid of those things. You've got to put those things to death. Those are earthly things that have no place in the believer's life. And then last week we covered, as I mentioned before, being conformed to the image of Christ. Now one of the things I want to point out is is this series is not about check boxes. You're not sitting here reading the book of Colossians, you're not sitting here going through this series saying, okay, I've got to... Oh man, you know, we, he's been preaching about convictions. I've got to sit down and think about some of the convictions I need to have. Uh, he's been talking about commitment. I need to look at the areas that I'm not committed in and make adjustments. I, I, I need to look at my character and I need, to, I need to check off the box of character. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. As you pursue Christ in a love relationship... It teaches in the Bible that we're being changed into his image. That literally as we follow him, as we seek him in daily devotion to him, uh, be it in the word, be it in prayer, be it in fellowship, however we're pursuing him, it be it in outreach to others around us who don't know him, that listen, he is he is transforming us to look more and more like him and less and less. Like ourselves, right? These things that we're preaching about, they naturally come out in the life of the believer. Why? Because the believer embraces, the true believer embraces the spiritual nature. Right? We've got, we've got this dual nature going on where we're still in this fleshly body. We've still got this flesh that wants to rise up and subdue us and try to drag us back into sin. And we've got this spiritual man who's alive in Christ. Who is supposed to be the one coming forth in our life? And listen, I'm going to tell you something. You've got to every day make it a point to get rid of the old guy and present the new man in Christ Jesus, right? And it's not a facade, it's not fake. It should be who we authentically really are. And if we are struggling, we should have a group of people that we go to when we're struggling who can help us along, who can give us wisdom, who can, who can pray for us and encourage us. We all need those things in our life. Amen? So if we pursue Christ, we will develop each of these areas. We don't have to treat them like a checkbox, just like we don't have to treat the Ten Commandments as a checkbox, right? We have to wake up and think about what the Ten Commandments say. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you'll be able to guide your life by those principles, right? Amen. But here I want to dig a little bit deeper into the truth that's presented, I believe, in Colossians one twenty through twenty-nine. And, and I, want to, I want to just give you a verse that I think really demonstrates this truth. It's in Joshua chapter three and verse number five. It says, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you consecrate yourselves. What was the purpose of the consecration that Joshua is asking them to do? He's asking them to clean themselves up, to be presentable to God, to set themselves apart, to to move away from anything unrighteous in their life. In other words, I want you to be ready to receive what God wants to do. You know, people say, I, I, I don't understand why God's not working in my life. I don't understand why things aren't happening in my life. Why is it happening in their life, not happening in my life? Listen, one of the things we should first do is we should ask ourselves, have we really devoted ourselves totally to Christ? Because listen, this verse tells us in Joshua 3, 5, that if we want to see the manifestation of God in our lives, it requires the consecration of, of our lives to Him. He said, if you'll consecrate yourself, you're going to see God do some amazing things tomorrow. You want to see God do something different when you go to work tomorrow? Then consecrate yourself to God today. Then take this time to prepare yourself for what God wants to do tomorrow. Tomorrow. You say, well, Brother Jeff, I'll get ready for tomorrow when tomorrow gets here. Well, tomorrow might not ever come. Hello? So today is the day that you do that. Today is the day to make preparation for what God wants to do. And if God chooses to take you home, then guess what? That was God's choice. But what you choose, you choose like Joshua says at the end of the book of Joshua, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord, right? So we consecrate ourselves to God. What does it mean, really, though? Okay, Brother Jeff great consecration, what does it really mean? Well, Easton's Bible Dictionary says this. It defines consecration as the devoting or setting apart of anything to the worship or service of God. It's akin to, some people even interchange the two terms, it's akin to sanctification, right? Sanctify yourself. In other words... What is it in me that needs to go? What is it in me that needs to uh, be brought into my life? What, What parts of these things that we've been talking about this series need to come into my life so that I am the vessel that God needs me to be because He wants to work in our life. That's why Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven because it's God who is at work inside of you. Now, so I want to get into this word in Colossians to see what God says about our consecration. I think it's very timely that this ended up working out this way. This wasn't my plan, but that we're serving the Lord's Supper and the way we work through this text. So just follow with me for a second. Verses 20 through 22, there's a point made that we're consecrated by the sacrifice of Christ. We are consecrated by the sacrifice of Christ. Okay? Verses 20 through 22, "And having made peace through the blood of the cross of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Now notice that. We're consecrated by the sacrifice of Christ. How do you see that in the text? Well, it is through the sacrifice of Christ that he is able to, that text tells us, he is able to present us to himself without a fault. How many of you in here would be willing to admit you've got faults? All right. And if anybody didn't raise their hand right now, you're a liar and you've got faults, okay? Amen? So, you just called yourself out. All right. You got faults, right? I got faults. We all have faults. You say, okay, but you just said that He presents us to Himself even without a fault. That's what the Bible says. Listen, you you think, but Jeff, how can you explain that? Only by the sacrifice of Christ. Because I know if He looks at me on my merit, that I... Fail miserably to measure up to the righteous standard that He has set up, right? But because Jesus Christ uh, went to the cross and He was a substitutionary sacrifice on that cross to pay the penalty of our sins. And listen, I'm telling you, He didn't pay just the sins that were committed in the rearview mirror. He paid for it all. He paid every bit of it. His sacrifice is sufficient, right? His grace is Sufficient because of what He did, not because of anything we've done. So when we think about being consecrated to Christ, we're brought into this state of righteousness because of Him. If we're trying to do anything extra to make ourselves right with God, we have missed the gospel message. It is Christ alone. It is Christ alone that saves the man. It is Christ's sacrifice alone that could pay the penalty. Listen, even by good works, I do not do enough good works to my credit for Him to accept me. So when we look at this and we say we're consecrated by the sacrifice of Christ, why is that important? Because it says, We're even able to connect to God because of Jesus. So think about this for a second. According to the Scriptures, all accusations against us have been dismissed. Whatever accusation is out there about us has been dismissed in Christ. You move up one chapter in the book of Colossians to chapter 2. And verse number 14, and what you'll see in Colossians 2.14 is this. It says, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having mailed it to the cross. Right? So, here's the thing. My devotion. Here's what some people are doing. They are basing what they are on their devotion to Christ. My devotion springs from the fact that He died in my place. I'm not in Christ because I'm devoted to Him. He died on the cross so that the world could be saved, and the only thing you and I can do is express our faith in what He did. That's it. That's all I can do is express my faith in what He did. Now, what happens from that point? My life should be a life devoted to Him. We're going to get into that in just a moment. But here's the thing. My devotion is meaningless apart from the application of the sacrifice to Christ. What do you mean by that, Brother Jeff? Hey, let me tell you something. Paul loved God. Paul loved God. Paul, as a matter of fact, was doing the things that he was doing before he came to know Christ out of a zeal, a passion for God. He would have said if you'd asked him, are you devoted to God? You know what Paul would have said? Absolutely I'm devoted to God. I love God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind. I love God. And he was going about, and what was he doing? He was persecuting the church. He was harassing believers. Uh, He was... He was having them arrested. He was consenting to their death. He tells you he was a blasphemer. All the things that he says about himself is his own testimony. But here's the thing. He had a devotion to God, but he didn't know God. Now he met God. And when he met Jesus, you know what? When he met Jesus, you know what Jesus said to him? Why are you persecuting me? Paul said, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And then, and then he says, what do you want me to do? See, Paul was still going to be a devoted man. But he wasn't just going to be a devoted man. He was going to be a saved man. Because from that point, he met Christ, and the devotion he had was born out of the relationship he now had. It was no longer governed by this empty devotion Listen, here's what happens. Empty devotion will become routine and it will wear you out. But I'll tell you something, if you really know Jesus, it will empower you because the Spirit is alive inside of you. Still a line from Star Wars, Trent, the force is strong in this one. Amen? You know, if that's the case, if you know Jesus Christ and you're really devoted to Him, people will sense that the Spirit of God is strong inside of you, right? Right. See, here's the thing. The law had decreed death over us because through the law is the knowledge of sin. And so where sin is, death reigns, but God in the person of Christ dealt with the law at Calvary by meeting the righteous demands of the law. That's why full satisfaction has been made over your sins, past, present, and future. Because Jesus satisfied the demands that the law made on you. And so what is the, what do we take from this? That we are consecrated. We're initially set apart to God. We're initially able to approach God. Why? Because of We can't even get started apart from that. Now think about this. Your sins have been dealt with. Remember the song Calvary? My Hill song says, says, My sin and shame don't count anymore. All praise to the One who has ransomed my soul. Calvary covers it all. See, without the cross, we are completely unacceptable to God. The second thing is we're we're, we're consecrated by sacrifice, but the second thing is we're consecrated through my devotion to Christ. Consecrated through my devotion to Christ. Where do you see that at in the text? Well, look at what he said right after he said the, the thing we just looked at. Look at what he said in verse 23. He said, If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you've heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven whereof i paul am made a minister verse 23 what paul says there is he says you've got to continue in the faith my my life verse that was preached the night I got saved is 1 John 5.13. It says, These things have I written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. It says it twice. And for a long time, I didn't really understand that, and I've shared this a number of times, but then one day, it clicked with me. Initially, in order to know God, in order to know that I'll go to heaven when I die, there has to have been a moment in your life where you realized you were lost, The Holy Spirit of God convicted you and you responded only in faith to Jesus Christ. And He saved you because He died on the cross, right? Because of His good works. His righteousness, okay? Point number one. But here's the thing. What is that rest of that verse after He says that you may know you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God? In other words, that you may continue to believe. If you are a child of God, your faith will inform your activity. Your faith will inform your activity. What do you mean by that, Brother Jeff? Well, my devotion springs from me coming into faith with Christ, right? I've come in contact with the Son of God. And because of that, my devotion is flowing freely from my life. I made a note here. Man is no follower of Christ and thus not devoted to Christ if he does not continue in the things that he professes to have received from Christ. Now I'm going to say that again. A man is no follower of Christ and thus is not devoted to Christ if he does not continue in the things that he professes to have received from Christ. I'm going to tell you something. We get excited when people make decisions. I love when people make decisions for Jesus Christ. When they declare that they want to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But it burdens my soul to see someone make a profession for Christ and then shut down on Christ. Not serving Christ, not attending uh, Christ's church faithfully. You know, it, it's not about where you come to this church, it's about just being in church. Listen, folks, I don't care if people don't want to go here, but they need to go somewhere. And if they're sitting at the house and not going anywhere, they're not devoted to Christ. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're committed to Christ. They, you know, Brother Jeff, everybody's got their own relationship. I'm going to tell you something. Everybody does have to have their own personal relationship. But there are parameters in this Scripture that show us what a real authentic relationship with Christ will look like. And it ain't sitting at home watching the evangelist on TV. I'm sorry, that just don't work that way. It's just not true. Well, Brother Jeff, I I get more out of that preacher at home. Well... That's great. You may need to move closer to where he is and go to church with him. Hello? I'm just saying, you know, because you're not supposed to be forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is and so much more as you see that day approaching. All right, That's free. That didn't cost you nothing, okay? We need to understand this, though. Salvation is not just a, a momentary experience where we say... I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. That's true. I, I mean, today, even though I've been saved now, uh, this is fixing me 19 years in May. Listen, even though I'm fixing to be saved 19 years in May, I still, apart from Christ, can do nothing toward God. He saved me. He keeps me. He'll present me one day faultless before the throne. Listen, if I do anything good today, it's Him working in me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Right? That's what it said in verse number 27. Y'all okay? See, salvation is not just momentary. It's not just to pray the prayer, shake the hand, get baptized, you know, plug into the church. It's not this momentary experience where we're saying we're not good enough and we need Jesus. We need Jesus every day. See, we abandon our goodness for a life lived in Him and through Him. In the book of Galatians chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, it says, if I rebuild what I destroyed... Think about this for a second. When you said yes to Jesus, you destroyed anything that you thought before would make you good enough. Good works, church attendance, good name, whatever. You destroyed that, right? You said that the law was incapable of saving you. You said, if I rebuild what I destroyed... I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I'm going to tell you what, when we received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you know what we said? We said the law killed us. We said that the law says that this is sinful and we've sinned and the law teaches that the sinner is worthy of death. The Bible says the soul that sinneth, it shall die. So when we, when we admit that we're a sinner and we're receiving Christ, we're saying this old man is dead because of sin. But when we profess our faith in Christ, we're also saying that we live now in a way we never lived before because Jesus is inside of us. Once I've been freed from the law and the sin and death that's associated with it. My devotion ought to be driven by the very work of Christ that was done in me. See, salvation should be enough for me to devote myself to Christ. If you are counting, listen to me very closely, if you are counting on a person in this body or a program that this body has going on, to make you devoted to Jesus, you are looking in the wrong places for the driving factor or force behind your devotion. If Jesus dying for you is not enough for you to be devoted to Christ, then you're probably not saved. And you should get saved. What do you mean by that, Brother Jeff? Well, let's just think about this for a second. Remember, Jesus is invited to a supper. Get this picture in your mind. He's invited to a supper. He goes to the supper. There are lots of people present at this supper. Simon is the one who's invited, not Simon Peter, Simon has invited Jesus to this supper. This woman comes in and she makes a beeline for Jesus. She goes, she gets down at His feet, she begins to weep and cry, and she breaks open some expensive ointment. She begins to anoint the Lord Jesus with this ointment to wash His feet with her tears, her hair. She's using it as a rag to clean His feet off. And they're sitting there, and Simon in particular, the one who invited Jesus to supper, is sitting there and says, Man, if he knew what kind of person she was. Man, if he only knew her notorious reputation, he'd have nothing to do with her. Jesus looked across the table and he said, Simon, I got something to say to you. He says, Master, say on. He begins telling about two servants and these two servants had these debts and he starts talking about how one debt was large and one debt was small or smaller. And he said, but the, the master frankly forgave both the servants their debt. He said, Simon, which one of these servants will love the master more? Well, I said, I'm the one that was forgiven much. I'm forgiven more. He said, that's right. You've well said. That's exactly right. The one who's been forgiven much will love much, right? So think about this for a second is that in that room, there was judgment in the room. But the one who was lavishing love upon Jesus was the one who was going to be forgiven so much from her life, all the wreckage from her life, all those notorious sins that the people who were sitting in judgment on her, around her, knew about her. Jesus was about to say, Daughter, your faith... Has forgiven, or your sins are forgiven because of your faith, or daughter, your sins are forgiven. You're right with me. Why? Because I choose you. And I love you. And listen, she knew that that was possible, and so her devotion was coming to Christ because she knew what Christ offered. Listen, some of us have got to preach the gospel. All of us should do this, but some of us more than others need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Preach the gospel to ourselves every day to remind us of the awesome nature of his sacrifice. See, this choice to remain inside of the gospel narrative, when when Paul says here uh, that we're to continue in the faith grounded and on be not Moved away from the hope of the gospel. We need to stay in the gospel narrative daily because if we stay there, if we remain there, if we realize what He did for us and what He wants to do for someone else, it presses us toward deeper devotion to Him. If I could say this another way, it would be like this. My consecration requires my concentration on the Son of God and His sacrifice. My... Consecration. Consecration requires my concentration on the Son of God and His sacrifice. How, how do you see that in Scripture? Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Seeing we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what? Let us uh, run the race which is set before us. And what does it tell us to do? Lay aside every weight and the sin which just so easily beset us and run the race that is set before us with endurance, doing what? Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking to Jesus, concentrating on the Son of God allows us to shed those things that would hinder us, that would keep us with uh, being able to run the race with consistency and persistency. And listen, uh, when we're in trying to endure, we need anything out of our way that might cause us to stumble. We need a clear track when we're running the race for Jesus. The only way to do that is to be consecrated, fully devoted to Him. We're consecrated by the sacrifice of Christ. We're consecrated through our devotion to Christ. And we're consecrated in service of Christ. Consecrated in service of Christ. Look at verses 25 through 28. What did he say? He said, whereof I am made a minister, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the Word of God. What I am doing, what he says, he says, what I'm doing as a preacher as an apostle as a missionary the roles that God has given uh, the apostle Paul to play in this dispensation of time he says this is all to fulfill the word of God God is wanting to do something he's wanting to do it through me and so I am at work serving him in the capacities he's called me to okay you want to hear more about this tonight five o'clock my life group we're looking at the will of God and we're going to look at, at Saul and Barnabas being called to be missionaries they were called specifically. We'll get more into that tonight. But Paul's fulfilling a calling on his life here. Verse 26, Even the mystery which had been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, look at this last part of this verse, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Perfect in this sense is complete, mature, lacking nothing. Until we choose to consecrate ourselves to Christ, we won't ever reach spiritual maturity. Paul gives this himself here. He says, I'm an example... Right? I've been made a minister, he says, to preach and teach and warn people. So what? That they may come to know Christ so that Christ can take up residence in their life so that Christ can save them and forgive them of all their sins so that then they can live for Christ so that they can show other people Christ Jesus in them, right? The goal is for everyone to be found complete. What does maturity in Christ look like? Well, it goes back to last week's message. More like Christ, less like Christ. Me. And the purpose and the reason is that is God has saved us to accomplish work on His behalf. Paul's a minister. Not everybody's going to be called to be a missionary. Not everybody's going to be called to be a pastor. Not everybody's going to be called to be a worship leader. But what we've got to quit doing is identifying with things like that and saying, Well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a missionary. I'm not a worship leader. Who does God want you to be? How does God want to use your life? It's As you're going, that's for all Christians, but specifically, what does God want you to do? If God calls you to be a, a nursery worker, then we're going to be a nursery worker to the glory of God. And if you don't see the value in being a nursery worker, ask some of these parents... Who allow their kids to go to nursery and children's church and find out how more focused they are on the service when they know their child is taken care of next door? Ask some of these parents who have made decisions for Christ because their child was being cared for in another room while they were out here listening to the gospel message and they responded in faith to what Christ was doing, convicting them, calling them to salvation. Don't you tell me that role's not important, it's significant. See, we think about titles, position, authority, and we equate that to whether I'm serving God, no, it is whatever, whatever you can find your hands to do to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you serve the Lord Jesus Christ, it's for His honor, His glory, and He'll bring fruit from it.
0: Mm.
1: Mm. Listen to me very closely. You're going to serve something in life. You're going to serve something. You can enslave yourself to worldly possessions and you'll serve your worldly possessions. You will work yourself to death to acquire riches, to keep up a lifestyle that you think you have to have. And one day, just like everybody else on this earth, unless the Lord comes back for His church, you will die. They'll put your body in a box or an urn and they'll bury you in the cemetery or they'll spread your ashes somewhere. And listen, That'll be it as far as this earth is concerned. And the only thing that sticks with you beyond this world is the soul that God has put inside of you and the riches which He says we're to lay up in heaven. And so listen, we can serve that. We can serve other things. We can be enslaved to people's opinions. People spend their whole life worrying about what somebody else thinks about them. Get over it. The one place you should concern yourself with what people think about you is what does God think about you? And and listen, please Him and let everybody else fall by the wayside. Focus on what God is doing in you. Why do you have to do this? Because if you don't consecrate yourself to Christ, that is fully devote yourself to Christ, then you will find yourself more deeply devoted to something else. And you know what Jesus said about this? He said, you cannot serve God Two masters. What did he say will happen? He said, you'll love one and hate the other. Now, here's what we say. Listen to me. I want to serve God, but it keeps me from doing this. I want to serve God, but it keeps me from doing this. So this has taken a higher place in your life. Now, Ouch. That sounds pretty nice, right? I mean, that's still stung, but it sounds pretty nice. I want to serve God, but this keeps me from serving God. What if we told the truth and said it like this? I hate that God keeps me from this. It's not that you hate God. Don't misunderstand what I just said. But you hate that your devotion to God is keeping you from this. Well, folks, let me tell you something. We need to figure out whether this is worth devoting our life to. We need to figure out whether we should incorporate this into our devotion to God. What do you mean by that, Brother Jeff? Well, I know Jesus said money and Him wasn't going to be able to coexist. You cannot serve God in money. That's what it says. But there are other things in our life that do tend to rise to the top and fight for our attention that God would rather us incorporate them into our faith walk rather than recognize them as two separate things. He would rather get the glory in your work life. He would rather get the glory in your family life. He would rather get the glory in your activities that you choose outside of church, right? Right? It's not that all these things are inherently bad. It's like somebody said the other day, I think you just need to get off Facebook with church. Well, I'm sorry. There's a lot of people out there on Facebook who need Jesus. And they might happen to see what we got going on, and they might get under conviction, and they might get saved, okay? I don't want to take a line out of the water. Facebook's not inherently evil. Now, how some of the people use Facebook, and maybe some of us need to come to the altar and repent, but how some people use Facebook is bad. I hate God keeps me from this. See, we deceive ourselves that our devotion is there when we say, well, I want to serve God, but it keeps me from doing this. We're deceiving ourselves that our devotion is there. But see, this thing over here, I've determined to love and devote myself to more than God. You know what the Bible calls that? Are you listening? Idolatry. When I find something that I want to love more and devote myself more to than I want to love God and devote myself to God, then I have set up an idol and I have an altar that I'm bowing at to worship that thing. Folks, we've got to be honest with our assessment of ourselves and our devotion. And so here's how this looks today. You say, Brother Jeff, man, what do I do in response to all this? Here's what it looks like today. What if you just came clean before God and said, God, I want to be fully devoted to you. And all I'm asking you to do today, God, all I'm asking for you this moment in this time in this service is this. God, will you expose one area of my life where you need greater devotion from me? Man, for somebody, it might be as simple as I'm going to get up and get in the Word every day. For somebody, it might be something as simple as I'm gonna have a serious prayer time. For somebody, it might be as simple as saying, "You know what? Uh, there's something I, I've been plugged in on Sunday mornings, but but I'm not plugged in on Wednesday nights. You know, I, I or I've been plugged in 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 several areas, but but there's this other ministry that I feel like God wants me to get involved in, and I want to plug into that. And so I, I sense God moving me in that direction. I sense God asking for my devotion to this particular area uh, of the church, whatever." Well, okay, that's great. But what if, it's something, what if it's something that you've allowed in your life that God says, well, what would really make you more devoted to me is if you would allow that thing to decrease. If you would allow me to come to the top and you allow this thing that you've made so important in your life to decrease a little bit so that I could have the preeminence. See, that's what God wants, He tells us. In His Word, it's about Christ being first. See, if you do this, if you'd ask God to expose one area, and you begin to walk toward God in that area that He exposes, you'd be on your way to consecrating your life to Christ. Because it's, it, it, it is day by day. It is as the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. It is, it is that sanctification is a process, but we almost act like that We're just we're waiting for God to do something, and God's saying, "I'm trying to do something. Will you move toward me, and allow me to do something?"
0: All right, guys. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Um, If you want to hear more. um, you can follow or subscribe to the podcast, and um, we have a church website. It's visitpleasantview.com. Um, you can see all kinds of information on there and learn more about our church and what we're all about, um, all kinds of things. So go check that out. Also, if you want to come join us in person, we are we would be so happy to have you um, The address is 2355 Lonnie Smith Road in Woodbury, Tennessee. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Sunday nights at 6 p.m. Also, we have um, Wednesday night classes at 6 o'clock. So join us any time if you're in the area. We would love to have you and you'll have a good rest of your day.